from the Carter Subaru Studios, this is the G and Ursula Show with G. Scott and Ursula Voitine. Angela Poe Russell is our co-host this morning here on the G and Ursula Show. Angela, it's always good to be with you. I love it when you have your tea and wearing your glasses right oh, now. Oh, yeah. This is this is my happy place, having good discussions with you, talking yeah. to our listeners. Boy, we got y'all fired up this morning. <laughs> oh, the text line is fired up. So we want to bring in someone to help us with some of our discussions that we had. As we know, we know the Pacific Northwest has had a rough start to the new year. Seahawks didn't make the playoffs. Windstorm yesterday. We know what happened with Boeing. And of course, the Huskies did not win. So who better to come in to talk about that is from the Brock and Salk show on our sister station, the Seattle Sports Station. You hear that show weekdays, 6 to 10 a.m. Mr. Mike Salk. Good morning, sir. Good morning. Good morning. You invite me in here and it is it's kind of a hostile environment. I know, right? <laughs> what makes it hostile? It's like 35 degrees in the studio. What is going on in here? It's because men are running the controls. No, there is something broken. <laughs> really? I just spent the last four hours in my studio over there. It was at least 15 degrees. Warm. This is freezing. I like it freezing. Gee, you are in a sweatshirt and you are shivering. I see it. Poor Angela's drinking her tea like my wife does constantly around the house. She drinks. My wife probably drinks six cups and you of tea a day. Two daughters, right? Yeah. Yeah. So see, he knows the temperature Gee, it that it's supposed to be. Cold in here. Where are my ladies at? Her like, can we get How it many, at seventy-two? Do you leave your tea all over the house the way my wife does? Yep. I found, I found tea in my bathroom yesterday on the sink, like by my sink even. I'm like, at least leave it by your sink. I find it in the closet. I find empty teacups everywhere yeah. in well, my house. The in math. the basement, you know in the, the laundry. You know, you know the math. It's like what's hers is hers and what's yours is hers. So. Well, how about just when you're done with the tea, bring it back to the kitchen? I, that would be nice. I just want to let it know, in the last three minutes, yeah. Angela has taken so many shots. Oh, really? On when it comes to women. But mm-hmm. I'll get well, to that in a second. Well, because that four, two, oh. four two five says, "What about the Kraken? Yes, the Kraken six in a row. Yeah, they look right? pretty good. They look good. All right, what happened last night? Well, a, a couple of things happened, and, and I guess some of it depends on your perspective. And I know we have a lot of Husky fans listening, and I know a lot of people are upset about the officiating in the game. And you know, I'm not going to antagonize you and tell you that the officiating was irrelevant. It mattered. It was a relevant part of the game. There were a couple of bad calls that went against the Huskies and for Michigan, and that didn't help." I don't think that's why the game went the way it did. I think Michigan was the better team. They were the more physical team. They eventually got to Penix and and rushed him as well as they did over the course of 60 minutes. They hit. They tackled hard. They, they, They did all the things that championship teams do on both sides of the ball. They didn't turn it over, whereas the Huskies turned it over twice. You know, those things factor into the result of a game. So, you know, could it have been a different result? Maybe. Maybe it's possible if that holding call hadn't been made. Yeah, all right, maybe. But ultimately, I think Michigan did show over 60 minutes they were the better team last night. Mm. Mm. So here's my question. By the way, that doesn't take anything away from the Husky season. Oh, gosh. an unbelievable season. And the fact that there was one team in all of college football better than them this year compared to what they were supposed to be, compared to where the program was two years ago, et cetera. Phenomenal season and what an accomplishment and everything they've done. But I think Michigan was just a better team last night. Are they going to really be able to put that? Like, those are all great things that you said. But if you're the athlete and you were so close to... It it, it hurts, yeah. Of course. So here's what I want to know. Because on the heels, 
of la- of was it last week's game, the Sugar Bowl? Mm-hmm. Um, Penix was just on fire. There was just a rhythm, and it was like last night he just it just couldn't put it all together. You've been covering sports for so long. Do you think it was a matter of the pressure getting to him? Nope. Or was it a like they just had his number? I don't think the pressure, well, not the outside pressure getting to him. I think it was the pressure that got to him, but I mean the defensive pressure that Michigan put on him with their front four, rushing him in his face, hitting him nearly every single play. Yeah, the pressure got to him, but not the pressure of the moment, the pressure of the other team that, you know, forced him him to play injured, forced him to take hit after hit, sped him up, rushed him, etc. If you guys know you have a segment you need to do and you got 10 minutes to discuss it, you know what you're going to talk about. If all of a sudden I tell you you only have one minute to discuss all of it and get all of the same stuff in, guess what? It gets a whole lot harder. And I think that's sort of the situation that Michael Penix was in last night. Everything got rushed by a Michigan team that... Oh, and by the way, while you're doing that one minute, I'm going to have somebody punch you in the face over and over again just so you can feel the physical pain, that's kind of what it was like for Penix last night playing in that game. Is that what, in a, I'm sorry, I know, gee, I want to let you get questions. Ask. No, no, so I, I, just, I, just wanted, I just wanted to be very sensitive because he said punch you in the face. Oh. Oh, you know what? Did I do something wrong? Well, what happened? Did I walk into the, did I walk into the middle of mom and dad fighting? What happened here? I feel like a kid who just came home and she, their parents she, are like eyeing to, each other she, like they just soon, been in a fight. Uh, her daughter went to go take out the uh, recycle oh. or the garbage and then they both go bend down at the same time. She gets Uh-oh. hit in the eye. So when you said that, I just wanted to think about your, your daughter hit you in the face. <laughs> yes, kind of. It was an accident. You got beat up with, by your daughter. Yeah. <laughs> you know right, what? Just as long as we're on the same page. You see how these headlines happen? Okay. So one other question, then I'm going to let you take it over, G. So here's the thing. So. Based on his performance when he faced pressure from Michigan, what does this mean about how he might perform in the NFL? I don't think it changes it much for me. It may change it for some others. Um, I thought that was an unusual amount of pressure, and I don't know that anybody would have done a whole lot better. Brock brought up a really great point this morning. If you remember the year Tom Brady was 18-0 and and went to the Super Bowl and then lost to the Giants, they used the exact same formula to beat Tom Brady. Four guys up front just absolutely mauled him and pressured him over the course of that game, and I don't think it affected Tom Brady's ability to still win, what, three or four more Super Bowls after that. Yeah. So I I don't think it should affect Penix's draft stock. I think what may have a bigger effect on that is just the issues with his durability. And he's not a huge guy. You know, he had the two ACL injuries when he was younger, when he was at Indiana. He came back from that and has been healthy for two years here in Seattle. But, you know, I think there is a question that if you beat him up, does he have the durability, not toughness? I'm sure he's got the toughness, and I'd love to see him gritted out last night. And I think he's got the ability. Does he have that durability? And I think that will be the one question he's going to have to answer heading into the draft. Well, Mike Salk is so good at this. We got about two minutes before we let you go. You can hear Mike Salk on the Brock and Salk Show from 6 to 10 weekdays. On our Seattle sports station, is Michael Penix a first-rounder? I think he is. And and if he's not, I think NFL GMs are nuts. I think he's a first half of the first-round pick. I just okay. don't see NFL arms like that every day in college football. Did last night hurt him? 
Maybe, but you got a long way to go before the end of April when that draft happens. His medicals, when they take a look at all of his medicals, that will probably play, as you know, a big role mm-hmm. in how and where he gets drafted. But it just takes one one GM to look at him and say, yeah, that's an NFL arm, and that's pretty unique. You don't find a, a lot arm. of guys like that. He's got a great arm. Less, and, and a pretty good head, too. I mean, let's mm-hmm. be clear. He anticipates. He sees the field very well. He's a pretty smart dude on the field. Last thing, what can Husky fans expect from their team next year should the expectations be like we're going back there's a new system by the way next season it's not four teams in the college playoffs Mm -hmm. there will be 12 teams so more teams will have action at it can husky fans sitting right now saying hey baby hey mildred we're going to the college playoffs next year too mildred huh Mm -hmm. Yeah, all right. Well, I think I got to go. Uh, <laughs> thank you for having me on. You said I only had two minutes, yeah. and I, I think it's time to go. Okay. I, don't, right. I mean, you just said it's been a rough start to the year. Yeah. They may, Look, they got a very good coach. They're getting a couple of grad transfer or transfer kids in. The kid yeah. from Mississippi State's mm-hmm. quarterback's supposed to be pretty good. But they're losing a lot of guys. And they're headed to the Big Ten. To the NFL, and they're going to play in the Big Ten next year. Mm. Mike Salk, what kind of nap are you going to be taking? Pretty uh, good. Under, under the covers or just on a couch? It's a couch nap, but my couch naps are in the dark. They're pretty good. I'll okay. be under a big blanket. Don't I hope you have some it. tea nearby. I mean, I'm going to have some tea in about five minutes. <laughs> yeah, we got that good uh, Meyer lemon tea out here. That's yeah. what I like. <laughs> Thank you, Mike Salk. See you guys. All right, again, every best sports show in all of sports uh. radio here in the country. Brock and Salk Show, Seattle Sports Station, 6 to 10 a.m. Go and check them out. Let's get to the next one. How do you feel about bottled water? You guys like bottled water? Is that your thing? Is that your go-to? Or do you like to drink it out of the cup? Or do you drink it out of the new Stanley Cup that everybody is drinking out of these days? But for the first time ever, scientists have been able to analyze how much microscopic plastic is in our water. Researchers from Columbia and Rutgers looked at three popular water brands in the U.S. and found an average of 240,000 nanoparticles of plastic per liter. We already knew there were microplastics in bottled water, but researchers now know that there are 10 to 100 times more nanoplastics in the water as well. Researchers still don't know how or whether all plastic uh, permeating our bodies impacts our health. That study was published in the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences. I hate when they say that, when they're like, we don't know if having a little bit of plastic in you is... There has to be a better way of saying that, you know what I mean? Because, of course, anything foreign like that, I don't know, the idea that something like that would not impact your health is just wild to me. You know, okay, so I'm that crazy person that I used to take glass jugs and I would take them to the store and fill them because (laughs) I have always suspected that this was not a healthy thing. Mm. I've gotten the glass bottles that have the silicone around it so that they don't break. Yeah, I'm a little extra. Okay, so you you mean... Sometimes I say stuff and you guys aren't shocked that I just wow you with some of the idiot stuff, things that I do. Wow us. So... I can't drink water out of glass anything. Really? It's weird to me. I know. I can't drink water out of a cup because when I was younger, my dad would force me, like, you got to get your water in. You got to get your water in. And so he'd make me drink out of the cup. And it was, oh, oh, oh. I did not like water. Finally, the only way, and still to this day, the only way that I like to drink water is out of plastic. The water bottle. 
Oh, we the music. I know. I I believe it. I 100% believe that it is unhealthy. There's no way. I'm getting all these water bottles. It's traveled. It's been in there for a long time, especially when you leave it in your car. It's been hot and everything like that. You can't think that some of that stuff has melted into the water, and I'm still drinking it. But, Chef, I like drinking water out of plastic. Do you have a way that you like to drink your water? Everybody has different ways. Yeah, That's my way. In, Do you have, in a so, cup? So now I like feel like... Like a normal person? So here's the challenge, right? Could we all come up with something yes. that could break G's... Addiction to the bottle. Like if we get you a Stanley <laughs> Cup. <laughs> sound right. Oh. <laughs> okay, Angela. <laughs> oh. All right, take two. Uh, <laughs> that could uh, <laughs> that could make you less reliant on the plastic water. Like could we get you? We could try a Stanley Cup. We could try. Like maybe that'll be our challenge. We can try different so things. So I. I've, I've had big mugs, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to drink it out of the mug. I'm going to get my water in. And I just don't end up doing it. But I have this thing where I get the water bottles from the grocery store, the 16-ounce bottles, mm-hmm. and I have a goal. I drink two in the morning on my way to work. Okay. Every single morning on an empty stomach. I drink two. And then I know then I have six more to drink it the rest of the med- day. Yeah. And it just, it's just in my mind. So I have to get Eight water bottles in every Wait, single what? day. You you drink eight, eight 16, sixteen ounce water, water bottles, bottles every day. Every day, yes, Ooh. every day. But, so, uh, but what in my mind it helps me get my water in, and every and I drink two in the morning. What about the bottles that have the measuring thing that like you can't? Okay, here's, oh so like, can God. I be a conspiracy theorist for a moment? Okay, have you all noticed? That sometimes I feel like the way manufacturers or designers design packaging can make it actually a little bit more addictive. For example, when you get a McDonald's bag and the the, the sound of the crunching paper, when I get that cup from the coffee shop, there's something about it that just is so appealing versus the... I, okay, now you're going to make me do research because you're looking at me like I'm crazy, but I think there's something to it that makes us more kind of addicted to the way it feels. I think that a burger in a either a paper in paper like you talk about yes, McDonald's. That's what I'm saying. Or back back in the day that little uh with Wendy's it used to look like the foil that it would yeah. come in. You know that burger going to be fire. Yes. Yeah. So and let me just expand on that. Just like we know that a lot of the food companies will have red in there because they know that for our brains it makes us more attracted to it. They have figured out that having certain music in the stores can make us more likely to spend a much longer time. Mm. So why wouldn't there be something with the packaging that makes it more palatable? I I think your brain is correlating the positive association of the food with the texture, right? If you were just to like pick up a bag by itself and you'd been doing that for many years and there was no food inside, you wouldn't have the same association. That being said, uh, any any food or drink that you consume in a dish that you don't have to wash yourself tastes better. Period. If I don't if I don't have to wash the dish, if I know I can just throw that sucker away, it often tastes better. Ooh wee! Uh, but I want to move to the story. Good point. But this is good because Chef, you wrote this one up. If you're worried about bottled water, like I should be, I guess. How about getting yourself one of those? You guys have seen it. The sleek, the stylish, the custom colored. 
Gen Z is buying them all over the place. The Stanley vacuum seal tumblers. Now, if you guys have been on social media, you guys have heard me say this throughout the show. Hey, G, what's this Stanley Cup you keep talking about? Well, you've seen the Stanley Cups everywhere, and people are collecting them like crazy. When Stanley announces a new cup, like the exclusive Starbucks design released recently, people waited in line for hours to buy them. In the case of Starbucks Cup, it's sold out in hours, and it's now reselling online for hundreds of dollars. People are waiting hours in lines to buy a new exclusive colors and designs. If you are listening right now, please text your boy right now. 888-973-5476, the Muckleshoot Casino Resort text line. Do you have a Stanley Cup? If so, why? Have you heard about these things? I only heard about the Stanley Cup a week ago because my daughter was carrying around this pink cup. I'm like, what is that? Like, well, you've been carrying this around. And then she explained it to me and I Googled it and I was like, no way. And I discovered that this is a company that's been around forever. They reinvent themselves and all of a sudden they're the hottest thing ever. Um, It makes me love Gen Z. Like they are a very practical generation. They're wearing their pajamas to school. They're... (laughs) They wear their pajamas to school. They love 90s music. They get points for that. And they picked a cup. What I love about the Stanley Cup is you fit a bunch of water in, but it fits in your car. Like it fits in. I get so frustrated with bottles that don't fit in the car container hole. Okay, 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 okay. Finally, I just got a real answer. I didn't I didn't know that. Chef, all I kept hearing, everybody kept saying, well, if you if you have your water in there and it's cold and if it's in a fire, your water yeah. will still remain cold. I didn't realize that part of it, that it could it's fit big in your cup holder. And it's yeah. smaller in the bottom. So it makes sense, right? Like, I love stable. Gen Z. Yeah, it's right. And, and then it's the stainless steel on the inside, right? The so vacuum, you don't have the, the nano. vacuum sealed yeah. so it stays nice. And- okay. okay, so people are texting in. Some of y'all got them. Emily on Commando Island says... I have a Stanley Cup, and I love it. It fits in my cup holder, and it's cute. Chef, keep it a buck, bro. If I walk in tomorrow with a Stanley Cup, will you judge me? I already judge you for your uh, vapid consumer choices, and I would judge you for this one, too. Huh. What? Nick, would you judge me? It would be a strange look, yeah. I don't know how I'd take it. Wait, 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 wait. Are you guys trying to say that you can't see me, me walking around with the Stanley Cup? <laughs> what even so funny? Why can't I do it, Angela? I'm down. I think we should both get one. I don't one. think it's Let's your order. brand, dude. I don't I, think it's I your would brand. Love it. I, would, I, I couldn't see you in Carhartt either. Wear, wear, your, wear your pajama <laughs> bottoms into work. Wear the pajama jo- bottoms into work. Yes. With your Stanley Cup. Okay. Get some stickers on your laptop and... I'll tell you what I'm doing. Tomorrow, I'm coming in. Here's my outfit. I'm going to be wearing some of those... Was it? Is it Hoka? Hoka shoes? The H-O-K? Hoka, yeah, Hoka, Hoka shoes. shoes. I'm wearing Hoka shoes, khakis, Patagonia coat, Patagonia hat, and I'll have a Stanley Cup. Will you guys call the police? I'll just ask, where'd you put your coffee? <laughs> Sounds like cultural appropriation to me. Ooh. What's happening in Olympia? We're going to be talking about that. Chef is going to give us a nice little run through of what's going on in Olympia. You should know. Angela Paul Russell in for Ursula, the Gino's show.
It is the Gene Ursula Show. Good morning, everybody. We'll have scenarios coming up next. It's an opportunity to judge other people's lives. And then we'll get the focus off of y'all judging me because of my outfit that I'm thinking about wearing in the next couple days. I'm wearing some hokas, some khakis, Patagonia jacket, Patagonia hat. And a Stanley Cup. And a Stanley Cup. But one of my favorite things to do is let Chef. Chef does a good job of going down to see what's going on in Olympia. And what he likes to do is it gives us rapid fire on different things that we need to pay attention to. So he has some different uh, laws and what's going on in Olympia. Chef, let's go. Yeah, there's a lot going on uh, from trade schools to tax rebates for landlords to lower thresholds for raising your taxes. But, gee, I want to start off with some good news. We talked a lot about trade schools yesterday. I just saw this morning from Representative Tina Orwell of Kent, House Bill 1944, would require the state to create a grant program for the trades based on the Running Start program that lets high school kids go to community college for free. Love that. If my kids weren't good at sports, this would be what they would be doing, going to a trade school. If you are a parent right now and you have a young man or a young lady and you're like, oh, I just don't know what they're going to do, go and get them a trade, even if... Even after that trade, if they do decide they do want to go to school, they well, I just want to go get education, they have a trade to be able to go and make some money. Chef, this is good news. The opportunity for our young brothers and sisters to go get a trade? Yes, Lord! I think it's great. And, and I would just add to that and say, especially with AI becoming um, so popular and mm-hmm. becoming um, playing a larger role in so many aspects of our life, being able to have something that you do, whether it's the wires, whether it's the plumbing, I mean, all of that just is good job security. I think that this is a largely good idea. I also have some really big concerns. Mm. Uh, when when the U.S. government um, opened up uh, student loans, what we saw was an explosion of the online universities that were largely fraudulent. A lot of them. We're still seeing settlements to this day. If Washington State starts saying, you know, we're going to take public tax dollars and we're going to pump them into private trade schools, right? What's to stop me from creating a, a you know a private um, plumbing apprentice training program that may have zero chance of getting someone into a plumbing career, but I get a big fat ten thousand dollar check from the state? I, I'm good with this, but there have to be really really strong guardrails on it. Okay, fair. I understand where you're going with that because you're saying like everything, once something becomes popular. And, and government funded. And, and government funded. funded right. That's when problems occur. So. Yep. Until it becomes a big problem, if you're listening now, go get in right now. It's not popular right now. You know it's popular. Oh, my child went to USC. Oh, my child went to this school. Go get to the trade. Make it cool to go to Renton Technical Community College over there and rent it. Make trade good again. Awesome. Uh, Angela, how about a lower threshold for raising your taxes? Right now, school bonds have to get 60% voter support to pass. The state superintendent wants to lower that threshold to 50%, just as it is for levies. We would actually have to make a constitutional change to do that, though, here in Washington. Oh, I refuse to answer that. I have so many questions. Yeah. Um, I know there was a school district that recently, apparently, I, I cannot remember Wakaiacum. which one it was. 
and schools in major disrepair, borderline Mm, dangerous, and they couldn't get a levy passed to be able to fund um, their own schools. You know, here's what I would say. I would say yes. And here's why. Because if you elect your representative to serve you, then there's a part of me that's like, hey, you've elected them to serve and this is what they feel would be the right decision. Then, yeah, I would be for it. 50%. 50%. Simple majority for anything. Should that be the rule for everything? Could you imagine? No, in your, not for everything. Okay. Let's say you, you're in your house and you're trying to decide on a family vacation, right? And there's seven of you in the house or let's go six. Let's go simple with six. You don't you don't think that you should try to or 70, you should think you should try to be 50 percent. Right. That should be the threshold of what you guys decide to do. Do, Oh, you need to have 60 percent for we all to go to Las Vegas for our vacation. No, it's not 60 percent. Let's make it. If it's 51 percent. Bingo. That's okay. All right. That seems like a reasonable argument. But just think about the state of our uh, our U.S. Congress right now. Okay. Well, they are on their on some things. It requires a is it two thirds majority yeah, on certain things, two thirds majority. Mm-hmm. And that is a good thing in some in some instances, depending on what you're talking about, <laughs> depending on so, who's in power. Gee, I know your family is not run like a democracy. There's no way you were taking the kids votes in your house on where they go to vacation. This is where we're going. Funny you bring that up. Funny you bring that up. If I were to do do it all over again. I would do more of that. My daughter does a phenomenal job of listening to my granddaughter, who's four years old, and letting her get say and letting her communicate with her emotions. And I'm not happy about this and talking. When I was growing up and some of y'all growing up, when we ask why as as children, you know what our parents said? Because I said so. Yeah. That was yeah. it. It was straight dictatorship. You know? And I think that is the wrong way to go about things. Okay, yeah. moving on I, here. I wanted to say this. I have a confession to make. You know how you love this segment? Yeah. This segment makes me nervous. Because, because you're That's asking me it. for an opinion before I've had a chance to research and think. Yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> this is so familiar. All right, Angela, how about legalizing co-living? Representative Mia Gregerson uh, wants to statewide allow for the construction of dormitory-style housing. So think like tiny studio apartment, shared kitchen, potentially a shared bathroom, kind of like a college dorm. There's only a couple places in the state. I believe Kirkland is one where this is allowed. What say you, Angela? Oh, I say yes, go for it. You can't say that you're tired of the homeless situation and not be for something like this. You have to have a variety of housing types. Now, here's what I can't wait for. If this does get approved, Mm -hmm. and let's say the projects are proposed in certain neighborhoods, how many will protest it? Because it's going to change the character of our community. We have had these um, in the history of our country. We're clearly dealing with the housing crisis. Um, those who are, you know, making minimum wage and struggling, struggling to get by need a housing option they can afford. I love this, Angela. I love the Angela that does not have a chance to do any research because you're coming off of your just your instinct to right away. And usually that first answer is your best answer. We get in trouble when we go down rabbit holes and we start doing research. Well, this Harvard study said, and damn about that Harvard study. It's about what you say. And this, I agree with Angela on this topic. And, and the best thing she said is she said, you can't scream and complain 
about the homelessness crisis and be against something like this. Look at you, Angela. Wow. One of the best things about this, by the way. Yeah. Converting offices, and you know they're about half empty right now, is really, really hard to convert them into housing. Yeah, because like not every not every area is plumbed, not every area has electricity. Yeah, you could you could create dormitory style housing much much easier in office buildings. Oh yeah, great point. Yeah, last one, G. Yeah, how about a state clam, the mm. razor clam? Can I defer? I don't. Yeah. I don't really care a about that. A state clam. What, yeah. what what would that benefit would that get us? Official designation. Silly. This, it's clearly a gooey duck. It was. It was a trick question. There is a rep that wants to make a razor clam the state clam. I think it's the gooey duck. That's what they've been thinking about during the other ten months when yeah, they weren't working. I know. Yeah. Clearly, they need something to do. <laughs> All right, good stuff. Uh, coming up next, we will judge other people's problems with scenarios. Stick around; we'll have fun. It is the Gene Arthur Show. Scenarios is brought to you by 1-800-DUI-AWAY. You know the scenarios is good when I want to get right Here to we go, it. Yo. Here we go, yo. So what, so what, so what's the scenario? I'm getting married in a few months, and my fiancé and I are having an issue with a couple of members of our wedding party. We have a bridesmaid and a groomsman who don't have transportation to our wedding and one is struggling to pay for their wedding clothes. My fiance, his parents, and I will be too busy carting decorations and prepping for the event to drive them to and from the wedding, but they are complaining that they won't have a way to get to our wedding otherwise. Busing is not an option because our wedding is in a neighboring city and they claim they can't afford an Uber or Lyft that far. My mom thinks that we should kick them out of the wedding party and that if they don't find their way to our wedding, they just won't come. But my fiance and I are close to these people and I don't know if I want to kick them out. However, we can't be expected to chauffeur them to and from our wedding. I feel like I'm caught between a rock and a hard place. I don't want to ruin our friendship with our wedding party members, but we also can't be expected to cater to their needs for our big day. Please help. 888-973-5476 is the Muckleshoot Casino Resort text line. Angela, you're up the bat first. Ooh. Um, okay, it's a little nuanced. Mom-in-law says, kick them out. Kick them out the <clears throat> wedding. I would say, you don't have to kick them out. You just say, gosh, you know, unfortunately, we're not able to help. And then they'll have to self-select out. They either figure it out and find a way there, or they have to pull themselves out of the wedding. So does that make sense? So you're not kicking them out. You're giving them a choice. You like, In other words, I'm not saying they come to the rescue. Does that make sense? Um, no. no. How, how no. so? I, because I, this is... This I didn't is say a, whether you agreed. I said, does my argument oh, make sense? yes, it does. I'm not saying, you're not kicking them out. You're giving them the choice. You're saying, hey, yes. unfortunately, I'm not able to do that. Okay, yes. So that if makes you, sense. I want you to be here, mm-hmm. but I'm not able to help. And yeah. Because, and here's the thing, if they're really friends... 
if are you really friends if they would do this to you? When they agreed to, they should have said, hey, I don't know. I think this is good. You should have mentioned that from the very beginning. I question the durability of the friendship. Okay. Chef? Yeah, your your mother-in-law is both a monster and partially correct. Uh, because it, here's why she's partially correct. Someone who says, I can't find transportation to a neighboring city for one of the most important events in my close friend's life is probably not that good of a friend. And at the same time, your mother-in-law is telling you to kick a close friend out of your wedding. Here's where the problem is you. How many people are spending $500 on table decorations for their wedding and won't kick down one of their good friends like a couple hundred bucks to buy them the dress that they're requiring them to wear. You can't, as a married couple, getting ready for the rest of your lives, be like, you know what, maybe we should budget in $150 for two people to take Uber. Are you kidding me? People buy all kinds of unnecessary crap for their weddings. Having the people that you care about be there is the most important thing. Chef. Oh, I so disagree. Now, but I want you to oh, weigh in. Oh, I so agree with you. Now, the bridesmaid, the bro, whoever the bridesmaid is, whoever she is, and whoever this groomsman is, yeah, you know them. You know that when you picked them to be in this wedding, you knew that they had, there was a possibility that they would probably need a ride. We know our friends, everyone. This is not some surprise. This is one where when you have a wedding, whether it's a destination wedding, whether it's down the street, wherever, the people in the room, you know who you want in the room. In this case, pay for the Uber or pay for some of the clothes. Just do it because you know them not being at your wedding is going to have a stain on your day. Pay for it. Pay If you have the ability to pay for it, pay for it. If you don't have the ability to pay for it, then you knew that there was a possibility going in. Friends don't just, you, everybody has that one friend that shows up to your house empty handed. Everybody has that one friend when it's time to pay for the bill that got all of a sudden alligator arms. We know those friends. Don't act brand new. This is your friends. Pay for them to get there. Here's my thing. It's one thing to pay for their transportation, but Chef, you were taking it to another level, like pay for their dress and all these things. I no, no, yes, yes. No. no. Here's the thing: when you ask someone to be part of it, they are taking on the responsibility. Now, I do think you should get a reasonably priced dress and have a frank discussion about budget, but I think. If someone asks me to be a bridesmaid, I know the assignment. I know that I'm going to have to buy myself a dress. I know that I'm going to have to pay for my you own do. travel. Why are you I acting don't expect like the bride and groom you do. to Just because you've had to do this 10 times in your life doesn't mean that the next generation can't have it better. Why, why, why would no, we I impose financial already, obligations on people in our lives? It's already so now. difficult to I have a wedding. I paid for college myself no, I'm back not in saying the days. That. Oh, okay. Did you have a wedding? Yes, I did. Okay, and did you pay? You paid for all their dresses, or well, you know, I mean, your wife. Uh, I don't remember what we did, but I don't think they were expensive. I think we said wear what you want. Okay, that's very nice. Brother Nick, what you got? Well, there's Ah. not many moments in life with these events, weddings, birthdays, anniversaries, especially with weddings. There's extra expenses that come with the territory. I think it's being a little cheap. Pay for the ride. Don't make them swerve through the hills and the woods to help throw bouquets and flowers for you. After all, it's for your own benefit to have them help you for your wedding. So just pay up. Don't be cheap. Real quick, Angela, let me simplify it. You and your husband, you guys are married now, but let's just say 
tomorrow is your wedding. Let's just say tomorrow it is, right? The best man in his life, the best woman in your life, would how important would it be for them to be at your wedding on a scale of one to ten? Oh, if they're if they're my if best man and you're talking about a maid of honor, very important. Very scale close. of one to ten. How scale how? of scale ten. But here's the thing. Someone that close in my inner circle, this would never be an issue. It just wouldn't. Like, like, and like, so to your point, they knew this could potentially be an issue deep, deep down. And here's the thing when I got married a second time, we didn't even do the bridesmaid, groomsman thing. Like, just here are our close friends and family. Come if you can. And we'd love to have you, period. Can, but I, I, can, I, I, can I borrow so, $50? You know what? I'm so. Here. This is impossible. <laughs> I, I think there's a middle ground here. Yes, help with transportation if they need it. But I'm not going to... I don't see where the people having the wedding should also pay for the clothes if those if they agree to be a groomsman or a bridesmaid. Can you, That's my opinion. Can you Venmo me $63 I needed to get home? Can I borrow that? <laughs> Coming up Silence, next. No response. It's a response. Coming up next. Agree to disagree. Angela Paul Russell in for Ursula. The Genius Show. 